Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 471, recorded live on Sunday, July 31st, 2016. And here are your hosts, the man who's got pickles in his fridge, Dave Play. Hey, hey. And the man who's got two jars in his basement, Andy Lowe. Hi. Two jars of pickles in your basement? Yeah, these are the pickles from Wisconsin. Where at the fam. I told you that story about pickles. Yes, the reason why you're called pickles. Yes. Because Kate's extended family refers to you as pickles. That is correct. Well, the Welshes in Wisconsin do. Right. Because reasons. Yes, because I ate a lot of pickles. What happens when someone else goes there and eats just as many pickles? I'm not sure because... Unfortunately, the guy who gave me the nickname is no longer with us. Uh, so it's one of those questions of how long do you think the other family members are going to keep it going? I don't know. I'm thinking I've got probably two right now that will keep it going. Maybe three. So we'll see. Okay. How often do they do this reunion? Uh, let's see. Was this year, eight years ago. And I think before that, they had it every like four years. Okay. So somewhere between four and eight years. Yes, something like that. Neat. Very neat. Yeah, I made pickles. I made fake pickles. They aren't actual pickles. What do you mean fake pickles? Well, when you pickle something, you are putting it in a brine. Yes, that is correct. Right, like that is that is a definition of a pickle, is that you are treating it such that it will not go bad. Yes, I have pickled banana rings currently in our refrigerator, and I think I've got another jar downstairs, but I might be wrong on that. By banana rings, you're, you mean like banana peppers? Yes, banana peppers cut into rings, and then okay. I pickled them. Because I'm, I'm picturing like taking a banana and cutting it into slices, and then taking out the center to make a ring, and then pickling that, and that just sounds kind of gross. That that sounds horrible. Why would you do that? I don't know, but you ruin the banana, and not pickling, only that, but you'd be wasting the vinegar on ugh. on banana. So pickling is is putting it in a brine so that it it doesn't go bad. Well, this is not putting it in a brine. This is actually the opposite of a brine in the sense that it'll probably make it go bad faster. Uh, You do. There is salt involved. There is a little bit of salt involved. You put the salt on the chopped veggies and let them sit for an hour so that they like desiccate and the salt pulls the water out of them. And while that's happening, you make a syrup with a cup of vinegar and two cups of sugar. And that's pretty much it. After that, you shove it into a jar and you pour the syrup on top of it. Huh. So it's really, really stupid easy to make. And it's really, really damn tasty. I might have to try that. Granted, we're not doing vegetables this year. Yeah, but I mean, just go to the store and buy two cucumbers and a green bell pepper and an onion. That is true. We do have to go shopping today. The hardest part is finding the mustard seed. Oh, I have that. I use that to uh, use mustard seed in the pickling stuff to try and keep the stuff crisp, mm-hmm. which it, it it works. It's one of those things where it's like I made you, one jar without it and everything was kind of just flavor. Oh, I just do it to make it, you know, a little bit more crunchy. Okay. Yep. So you want the mustard seed and depending on like what else you want, I actually added some red pepper flakes and jalapenos to this one. And it, I mean, jalapenos aren't that spicy. No. Neither are the red pepper flakes, but because it's been sitting in the vinegar for like three days in the refrigerator, it builds up this very slow burn and you don't notice it right away. And so you keep eating and you keep eating and you keep eating until all of a sudden you don't have a mouth anymore. Yeah, the hot sauce that I made last year is kind of like that as well. It's 
subtle, but then later it kind of just kicks you in your butt. And you're like, ooh, yeah. that's a bit much. Yeah. So at this point, I'm not having any of these pickles unless I also have like rice or yogurt nearby. Ah, the dairy to cut down on the heat. Yep. Put your mouth. Wonderful, wonderful casein. God, now you're going to make me want to make... Well, I haven't... I need to eat something after running, so I'll have <laughs> to do something after we record. Yeah, probably something involving a bit of heat. Uh, yeah, what I used to do, um, three eggs fried, um, banana pepper rings, and some horseradish, and uh, a little bit of uh, Tabasco sauce, but the, the green Tabasco sauce, not the red. Ooh, yeah, the jalapeno base. Have you, instead of frying the eggs, have you considered scrambling them with the horseradish and Tabasco? Um, Frying the eggs is pretty easy. I literally dump them in the pan, put the lid on it, and then come back three minutes later and they're done. Yes. I I understand that. That wasn't the question. But that's why I fry them and I'm not going to change that because it's hard not to make it simpler than that. But simpler doesn't equate to better. Yes, but I'm I'm getting my... It's tasty. I'm getting my... Oh, I forgot. I, forgot. I put uh, some cheese on the top as well. Ooh. Of the fried egg? Yes. While it's cooking? Yes. Oh, I had not considered that. That sounds really tasty. See? Oh, you could try this. You could... No, I'm, I'm good. Not, I'm not disparaging your fried egg. I'm not saying that it's bad or that this other option would be better. I'm just saying it's going to be different. Yes, but I don't want different. I just want tasty eggs. I like living in my little world. It's comfy. <laughs> Don't push me outside. Don't push me outside, really. Outside your zone. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like literally outside. I'm like, that's why I'm having the eggs. Oh, I, I understand. You run, Andy. We get that. Everyone gets that. We understand. It's okay. Doing the Do you do the uh, the ice cube trick with your eggs? Wait, what? So you cover your egg. Yes. All right, you put the lid over the pan. Yes. The, the rumor is if you put an ice cube in the pan next to the egg, it will do essentially what it's doing already, but even better. That means I'd have to get a bigger pan, though. Ah, your eggs take up the entire pan? Yeah, I do three eggs, and that takes up (laughs) most of the... uh... That is a lot of egg. Yeah. How did the yolks come out? That's Uh, always the important thing for me. It depends on what type of mood I'm in. I can do them so they're pretty soft, or I can just wait till them till they start to get slightly cloudy, and then they're in the medium range. And then if I really want it, you could just go the whole hog with the thing as well. Hmm. Depends on what mood I'm in. Okay. I like my Uh eggs yolks slightly on the runny side, though. So I just wait to see just a slight (laughs) clouding on the outside edge. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that hits it, then lid comes off right on the plate. That doesn't sound like soft and runny that sounds like the yolk is still liquid it starts to oh depends on how much cloudy you want how how but like are all the egg whites cooked in that case yeah all right weird maybe i'll give it a try today or i could cook you eggs at some point but yes but the next available opportunity for that is a month from now and i'd kind of like eggs on toast sooner than that i could cook it now and then mail it to you Uh, no (laughs) something tells me it, it wouldn't keep very well probably not Please don't email me, not email me. Please don't mail me a cooked egg, an uncooked egg for that matter. I, I won't. Okay. Should we move on? Sure. As we, sure, as we, we like, on. I see no way out of this hole of cooking eggs and styles of cooking eggs. I, yeah, I have nowhere to go with that. All right. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about egg hatching, but that's uh, a terrible forced segue into one of our first topics. Pokemon Go. Our required Pokemon topic of the week. It's not required. So I found out another 
another reason why I wouldn't want to do Pokemon. Okay. Uh, one of the guys, I think, in Kotaku was testing out. Um, oh, yeah, that's actually the article I was just talking about, the secret of egg hatching, right? That he was testing out his eggs and running. Yes. Yeah, and that it didn't, like, he ran 10 kilometers and it, it didn't pull in 10 kilometers. No, no, it didn't. Which, you know, if it did, yeah. I, I would put myself up on Craigslist and be like, look, I'm going to be running 14 miles today. Give me your information and I'll run with <laughs> with your eggs. <laughs> with your eggs. You have to keep the screen on. I'll put it into um, the upside down mode. That doesn't keep the screen on. Wait, I have to keep the screen on for the eggs to hatch? Yeah. Because the game has to be actively running. I thought if you put it into the upside down mode, the game still is actively running. Yes, unless the phone times out and the phone goes to sleep. This is a very complicated game. This is a very poorly documented game. Yes, that, that too. Has that a lot too. of little holes in it and is not really that complete. One of the holes, for instance, is the uh, now infamous three-step glitch. Oh yeah, where all the Pokemon that are nearby are considered at their maximum distance at all time. Yeah, well, Niantic issued an update yesterday that Did quote, they fix unquote, it? fixes the three-step glitch. You're going to love this. Do you want to know how they fixed it? Uh, by giving us actual numbers? Nope. They removed the steps. Oh, you've got to be shitting me. Now your nearby Pokemon are just nearby Pokemon, not how far away they are. Just, they're here. They're somewhere nearby. Go find them. What the frack? <clears throat> we fixed the glitch by removing the visual cue of the glitch. So let me get this straight. Yeah. If I start up this app. Yeah. I'm just sitting here. I open it up. I look by and I go, ooh, there's Pokemon nearby. Yeah. I have no idea where they're at. I will actually literally have to wander around my neighborhood until they randomly pop up next to me. Yep. What the frack? That's kind of the reaction from the community. Now, that also wasn't that big a problem because there were other websites that gave you that information. You could always go to Pokevision.com or Pokevision Go or something like that. What is it? The actual it, site. I think it's Pokevision. Poke, yeah, Pokevision. And you'd click on your spot and say, I want to see what's around me. And it would show you what's around you. Uh, I have loved this site in the last week and a half, and I've used it every so often. It's been great. Like, Epic's campus is huge. There's a lot of Pokemon on it, but I don't know what's on the other side. But if I'm about to take a break, it's nice to know if I want to go to the north side, to the south side, if I want to stay where I'm at. You, you want to find where the nests are sort of thing, right? Right. Like if I'm deciding which way I want to go for lunch. Well, if the menus are essentially the same in all the cafeterias and it's the same amount of time to get to all the cafeterias, then maybe I'll use something like this to figure out which one I want to go to. The sites are shut down. Go! Niantic sent, uh, well, Niantic, it, it's not clear if they sent an actual cease and, cease and desist, but they've essentially sent cease and desists. Niantic so, views these sites as cheating. So Niantic wants me to go outside, literally just aimlessly wander around hmm. till I literally trip over a Pokemon. Well, you know, if you're using literally in the okay, figuratively yeah. sense, figuratively then yes. trip over a Pokemon, yes, my apologies on that one. We are sticklers for the word literally here at RA Podcast. No, we're not. I literally did No, not not literally. I use that. I use that willy-nilly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. <laughs> I could start using the word malarkey. Malarkey? Yeah. I know that that's a word. At least I was raised to believe that was a word. Isn't it just like a, a hullabaloo? Uh, nonsense. Nonsense. Okay. More specifically meaningless talk, but nonsense. So, you know, we could just say this top, this, you know, podcast is a bunch of malarkey, but then that would be putting us down. Oh, oh. we shouldn't do that. 
No. Yeah, so Niantic wants you to wander around aimlessly. Now, Niantic, I mean, they're based in San Francisco, right? It's a spinoff of Google. They have tons of stuff around them. I don't think they understand what it's like to be in a smaller city or the rural area, the countryside, where there are very few Pokemon. No, I I know (laughs) because of Ingress that if I ever wanted to play this game, I would have to spend my time downtown Kalamazoo, Western's campus, mm-hmm. KVCC's downtown campus, maybe their Texas Corners campus, or by the library? But that's like it in town. Everything else is just barren wasteland, I'm guessing. Pretty I was going to go check, I was going to check the PokeVision, but hey, that's but, not working either. Down. Yeah. How many people do you think are still going to play in six months? Not as many as we're playing in the first two weeks. Especially if they pull shit like this. Yeah. It reminds me about the bad days of Ingress. Don't get me wrong. I'm still playing. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still having fun. But it, it was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to find things besides just what I'm randomly at at the time. This, instead of, you know, pulling a PokeVision going, oh, hey, there's a bunch of Pokemon over here. Let's go there and do this. Yep. Laura and I did, like, one time I was just clicking around PokeVision and there was a Pokemon that I didn't have, like, four miles from my house. I turned to Laura, I said, do you want to go get it? We piled into the car and drove over there. Now that's not the case, is you, you're, okay, you could be out to dinner, you'd be like, well, I wonder what's around here. Yep. It, It doesn't become a primary thing, it becomes an extremely passive secondary thing, kind of like the way Bri plays it right now. Right. The, I guess I'll check and see what's here. Yeah. Turns out, according to Bri, there's not a lot around our house. <laughs> no, because remember, it's based on the cell phone data. It's not where there are Poké stops. It's where is their normal day-to-day cell phone activity. Yep. That's where the Pokemon spawn. Wherever there was XM and Ingress, that's where the Pokemon spawn. Which makes me wonder how the schools are going to react to that, because I have a feeling, you know, during the school year, there's a lot of cellular activity at a school now. Well, but it's uh, it's not current cell activity. Oh, is it just sort of like average? It's, yeah, it's the cellular activity when they took the data. Okay, yes, I, I, I get it. It's essentially how many cell phones were in this concentrated area. That's how much XM there was, which means that's the likelihood of Pokemon spawning. Which now makes sense why it's, you know, downtown and around all the campuses. Right. Apartment buildings are much more likely to have a Pokemon spawn than a subdivision. So I actually posted a Pokemon topic. You posted what now? I posted a Pokemon topic. Yeah. Uh, Forbes interviewed the CEO of Nantic, uh-huh. Niantic, and they asked him literally, point blank, how do you feel about Poke Radar and things that tap into the code and show you where Pokemon are spawning? No surprise, he said he's not a fan. Yeah, I'd like to point out that this interview that you gave is uh, like three days old. And then just today, all those sites went down. On the third day... <laughs> Niantic rose again and said no. Yeah, and here's people the kicker, were sad. Though. Yeah. Later he was asked about, hey, how do you feel about the people that are trying to cheat the game? I saw a guy put a train set around his home for his phone. His response, and I quote, ha, to hatch his eggs? Well, that's kind of cheating, but it's kind of creative and funny, too, so I don't really mind it. He's only cheating himself. I saw a turntable hack. I saw that one for hatching eggs. Right. I read this and just got angry. Like, it's okay to to break one of the core mechanics of the game, but, oh, if you have extra information, now that's a no-no. I, 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 I don't get it. It's I like, don't know where his lines are. 
I don't know. Well, we turns out we know <laughs> hacking your phone to hatch your eggs is okay. Hacking the Niantic API but to figure out where the it's Pokemon not hacking are. your phone. It's both of them are just like hacking the game. Yes, because neither of them involves actual hacking. No, that's true. Yeah, it's finding loopholes in the game. Right. And so, you know, putting your phone on on a turntable or on a model train set, that's totally fine and legit. But if you start using the actual API to contact our servers, that's a no-no. I'm a little upset. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I have a feeling that I could put this game on my desk, plug it into my power charger, turn it on. And because my office is in the basement... The GPS signal in there gets a little wonky sometimes. Yeah. I bet you anything, I could just leave that phone on my desk and my guy would just be bouncing all over the place and I'd be getting... Hatching eggs. Hatching eggs like nobody's business. I'd be like the freaking Purdue Chicken Factory. I have a friend who did exactly that. He, he isn't in the basement, but at his cubicle, he gets incredible GPS drift. And so he just leaves his phone on and he's hatching eggs all day, every day. Oh, this is ridiculous. Yes. It's one of those things where, like, it's so broken, but people love it. Uh, I literally um, saw four people this morning when I was out running, playing. Only? Well, I run along the bike path, so there's A, not a lot of, you know stops and b it's not really that big of a cell phone usage area because it's a bike path Mm -hmm. but i guess there's something out there because they had four people just in there walking down there staring at their phones and i glance back and yep there's that little pokemon map (laughs) that distinctive like light green cyan the one where i can just glance at it sideways and know oh yep pokemon they are playing pokemon yeah i'd kind of like my phone to you know work with the game That'd be a lot of fun if I could get onto wireless networks and if the GPS didn't keep dropping out. This would be really awesome. It would be great if this game actually worked. Uh, the game works. My phone doesn't. Ah. This is not specific to the game. This is my entire phone. And I'm a little upset at it. Isn't that, what, two years old now? Yeah. Friend of mine uh, suggested I actually contact Sprint and say, like, it's. I'm pretty sure it's got damage from overheating because it keeps dropping the wireless. And, like, I press the wireless button on the, the top bar, the top menu, and it turns on and it does the little animation of, like, I'm looking for a network. I'm looking for a network. When I go to the wireless menu in the settings, the slider is still set to off. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to try a, a second factory reset and see if it helps. And if it doesn't, well... I guess I'll contact Sprint and say, the hell? I don't know. But Sprint is having an event in two days. Not Sprint. Samsung is having an event in two days. Oh, for the the Note, what, Note 7? Yep. Technically, it's the Note 6, but they're going to call it the Note 7. Because? (laughs) They're skipping the 6. Yeah, because they're a 7 right now for their phone, so why not, you know? Well, so there's a couple reasons. They want to keep it in line with the S7. And they don't want it to fall behind the iPhone. Oh, that's true. Right? It's the Xbox to Xbox 360 because, oh God, we can't have an Xbox 2 if it's a PlayStation 3. Oh, marketing. I still think that the one should have been the Xbox 365. No, that would have been perfect. I still think that would have been a better decision. It's the Xbox One. So speaking of GPS, Australia has moved. What? Australia as a country has moved. But 1.5 meters. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's the government body Geoscience Australia is updating the geocentric datum of Australia in the country's national coordinate system to bring it in line with international 
national data, they're going to move Australia, quote unquote, 1.5 meters because Australia is, you know, on a tectonic plate and it moves about seven centimeters per year due to the shift. The last time the data was measured was 1994. Ah, so in 20 years, it's moved a meter and a half. I wonder how far we've moved in 20 years. I don't know. Because according to GPS, it doesn't care, right? Like if we were to take a, a, a GPS picture of the world right now, that's the GPS picture of the world right now. But in 20 years, it would be off by a little bit. Uh, according to the Pacific Northwest Seismic Network, the North American plate, which is what we're on, is moving west-southwest approximately 2.3 centimeters per year. So a third of what Australia is doing. Yes. So we've shifted a half a meter. Yes. Yes, we have. Feels like that's going to be an important project every like 40 to 50 years. Well, the GPS stuff always has to get manually updated anyway, because the, the GPS satellites need the, the, the quantum drift stuff going to be calculated as well. So yeah, so fun fact, if the world ends, GPS is not going to work. It will it will last for another like couple weeks, months. I think it's I think it's a couple of weeks. The GPS will work for a couple of weeks. And then the new data will need to be uploaded to the GPS satellites. But, you know, end of the world, nobody's going to do that. GPS no longer works. And just the concept of how those things work is just so awesome. Yeah, it's 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 one of those like simple things where it's like, oh, yeah, well, this makes perfect sense. But then the amount of math that has to go into that is just nuts. So all the satellites need to be synchronized with their internal clock. Yes. Right. That's the first key. Then they all broadcast. But the the thing is, it doesn't technically matter when they broadcast because they're just broadcasting a time. Do you need two broadcasts from each other? Like, because how does how does the receiver have an accurate measure of time? I think the receiver doesn't actually need to know what time it is because it just pulls the time data from the individual satellites and does so the just, math that it way. It just looks at all three of them and it says, if they all broadcasted at these three different times, here's the only place where that would intersect. Yes. Goddamn GPS is awesome. Oh, yeah. No, it's brilliant. Did you see this? You know, the, the technology, Primitive Technology YouTube channel? No. There's a guy. He has a YouTube channel called Primitive Technology, where he makes with his hands and brain all the things that he would need to essentially survive. It, basically, he goes to the pre-Bronze Age, like literally the Stone Age, and builds things. So one of the first episodes was building an axe. Like, making an actual stone axe. And he just keeps showing more and more and more. Like, he makes a sling, he makes a bow and arrow, and he makes he's, all this, what? He's making, a, he's made a cord drill, wow. Yep, with Baskets. no tools. No, wow, dang. The only tools he is using are tools that he himself has made. The newest one is, and the reason why I bring this up, is him jumping from the Stone Age to the Iron Age. He built himself a forge, really? Wow. He built himself out of primitive tools, out of nothing but his hands and wood, and uh, he made a rope by using uh, tree fiber and clay. He made a small forge and was able to go and take stuff and create iron without mining it, mind you. This is brilliant. Yeah. 
because I, I have like a fascination with this sort of thing. They're like, that was the, the whole farm series, which I think we reviewed at some point on this show where they had the, the, the anthropologists and the, the historians come in and, you know, work on a farm and during different eras of history. Yeah. This is, you know, taking it way back, but still, this is neat. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to watch. And like, I paid special attention to this one because that's just, he made a forge that can be done single-handedly. He didn't need anyone else to come by and take over for him and pump the bellows. Just so incredible. That's nuts. You should see the bow and arrow one. Well, now I know what I'm going to be streaming to my Chromecast after we're done here. <laughs> While you make your eggs? While I make my eggs, yes. Yeah. There's no voice. He doesn't speak at all during it. Well, that's good because this is, makes it for an international audience. Yeah. But like, man, if you want an instruction book on how to survive, here's some really good little tips. So Australia moved and so have we. Just not as much. Yep. GPS. So incredible. Um, what else? What else? What else? Google Play Family Library. What? I've been waiting for this for eight years. <laughs> I've been waiting for this ever since Amazon did their li- family library. Yeah. Google Play Family Library to share books, movies, and apps. Nice. So now, instead of having to purchase the game four times, you can purchase it once. Well, this is, you know, would have been nice before we would have bought, you know, the same app over and over again. Yeah. But in the future. In the future. One time only. Oh, that's going to be so nice. Yeah. That's one of those things where Amazon, Amazon, before they had this, I was under Kate's account for the Kindle. And I'm I'm Mm -hmm. sitting there thinking like Amazon must think she is crazy. Like she's got split personality or something. Because you got like the romance novels next to the electronic textbook. And it's just like next to the the hard sci-fi books. It's just like, ooh, I wonder what Amazon thinks about all of this. But now that the Amazon family is up there, it's I get pretty much everything except um, we're not able to share Prime Music for some odd reason. Hmm. Yeah, Prime Music, I have to go into her library still and do it that way. I'm not sure about Prime Video. I'd actually have to check that. Probably the same as music. All right, hold on. I'm signing into mine. Nope, I cannot do Prime Video through my account. Yeah, It's weird. Some of the stuff is like, oh yeah, no, that's no problem. And the other stuff is just like, nope, sorry, you can't share that. Which is the only reason why I still have Internet Explorer installed on this computer. Is for what? So uh, Kate's signed into Amazon on Internet Explorer. I'm signed into Amazon on Google Chrome. Ah, I see. So speaking of the future, Google and the 911 system. Yeah. Google has introduced a feature in Android that when you call emergency services, it will beam your location to emergency services automatically. It uses your Wi-Fi, GPS, and cell tower information to pinpoint exactly where you are and send a across the data without allowing it to be accessed by anyone else. Neat. I like it. It's actually something similar to what we're doing uh, at, at work. We have... Because we're using Cisco phones, right? As everyone else who has more than like 50 phones on their site. So whenever you dial any of the emergency numbers, which they put in like six different versions of it. So, you know, if you if you have to dial eight to get to an outside line, then you would have to dial eight nine one one. Well, no, you can actually dial eight nine one one nine nine one one nine one one. Any of those will go out. But they also trigger like seven different alarms in the, the structure. And so it automatically includes the location of the phone to emergency services and to our own emergency group. And like it just carries all that information with it. So I'm pretty sure there's an infrastructure already in place for this. In the United States? Yes. No. No? No. The 
Oh, was it John Oliver on last week tonight that did a thing about emergency services in the United States? Probably. There was one where the guy was, it was a local news reporter. So he was, you know, from a, like three stages down, but it's a local news report where the guy called emergency services and says, Hey, can you tell me where I'm located? And they gave her, they gave him an address completely the wrong address. In fact, the man was actually in the 911 building. Huh. So yeah, the, the infrastructure in the United States sucks. Okay. So bad. Well, but maybe not across the entire US, but certainly like I know for a fact that when if if I ever have to dial 911 at work, it will send my location for that exact building. But yes, internally, yes, there are companies who are doing their own thing. Okay. But overall, this this is now active in the UK and Estonia for this thing automatically for any, you know, Android phone. But trying to get that in the United States is going to be, I feel like, a problem because you can send all the data you want, but you have to have the equipment there to receive it. There was... Oh, one of the mass shootings recently, people, you know, were trying to text 911 saying that there is, you know, shooter happening or something like that. But the 911 system isn't set up to receive texts, please. I thought it was. Uh, it wasn't at the time. we just added that. I think some places added them. Or we're talking about adding them. Oh, but we can talk about anything with 911. Well, yes. Uh, December 25th. Uh, in the future, text to 911 will be widely available in the United States. This is according to the FCC website. Yeah, so that was seven months ago. Uh, additional information will be updated periodically and provided below. Uh, last updated, Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's an Excel sheet. There's an Excel sheet. I love Windows charts. 10 is no longer free. Nope. The free update would, has come and gone. If you would like to update to Windows 10, you now have to purchase Windows 10. However, along with that came the anniversary update. And in the anniversary update, they did a lot of little bug fixes. They uh, made Cortana much more robust. They gave her tighter integration and they made it so that she is impossible to get rid of. Wait, you're telling me that if I update to this anniversary, well, I, I actually can't control it because Windows 10 handles all the updates. Well, you can always turn off updates, but then you yeah. don't get any of the security updates. No, that would be a bad move. Yeah. I look at people who have turned off updates and I go, do you want to give me an aneurysm? Or, you know, have your credit card stolen? Yeah. Or all of your logins stolen? I got a scary, scary email, by the way, going off on a random tangent, as we are often uh, want to do. Uh, I got an email the other day at 5.20 in the morning saying someone has entered your username and password for your Steam account and that it was the correct username and the correct password at 5.30 in the morning in Brazil. You got problems, boy. I'm like, that's that's not me. I didn't do that. I'm not in Brazil. Thank you, two-factor authentication. I love you. I have uh, since changed my Steam password. I ha- I'm i looking up the list of where text to 911 is actually currently in use. Yeah. There are four cities in Wisconsin. Ooh, which four? Uh, Brown County Public Safety Communications. So that's Green Bay. Mm-hmm. St. Croix County 911. Uh, Dodge County Sheriff's Office and Rock County Communications Center. Okay. There are none in Michigan. We're ahead of Michigan. But how does that work if, 
like texting to 911. I guess I don't really know how 911 routes you to the local emergency service anyway. Uh, it's based off of the cell phone towers. The cell phone towers um, basically are set up now that if they receive a phone call to 911, they're basically hardwired to direct you to the local 911 authority. Before, it was actually the one associated with your phone number, which was the dumbest thing in the world, but it, it is fixed now. Or if I was up in Manistee and I dialed 911, a cell tower would connect me to whatever it considers the local 911 authority. That's good. This is what happens when you're stuck inside a box with the Verizon guy while you're waiting for stuff to get updated. It's all those, it's all those questions you ask like, well, why does so how it does do this? this? Work? Yeah, how does this work? What's up with that? You know, when are you guys going to come out with 5G? That sort of questions. I mean, they're, they're discussing the standards for it right now, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. So probably in another two years, we'll start seeing 5G. The guy was not looking forward to it because he's like, man, I'm going to have to update every single cell tower then. It's going to be a pain in my butt. Oh, the poor guy has to do his job. I know. It was at that point I'm sitting there going like, oh. If you don't want to go around updating cell towers, maybe you shouldn't work for a cell phone company. Yeah. That just purchased a search engine. Yeah, I still I still don't get that. Verizon buying Yahoo? Yeah. I, I have no idea. I At this point, I think I'm giving up trying to figure out what Verizon's long-term goal is because I just don't know what their long-term goal is. Their long-term goal is to do stuff. Oh, speaking of cell phones, the T-Mobile Tuesday this week, it's going to be free tickets to see Suicide Squad. Okay. I'm pleased with that one because I wanted to go see that anyway. I'm like, oh, well, T-Mobile is going to pay for my ticket. Well, thank you. Nice. Still not too happy about all of their, um, you know, totally breaking net neutrality stuff. Yeah, kind of spitting in the eye of it saying, oh, yeah, no, we'll give you free unlimited Pokemon Go data. Yeah, but the thing is, like, who's going to complain about that? That is true, because the net neutrality stuff is based off of consumer complaints, so maybe you... And who's going to complain that, oh man, T-Mobile is giving me free shit? Yeah, and probably not a lot of people. Nope. So, other phone news. Other phone news. Yeah, there was a judge in Alabama? Arkansas, sorry. Uh, A district court judge in Arkansas ruled that... Uh, banning political robocalls amounts to an infringement of free speech protection. Mm. Yeah, so a federal judge has ruled that robocalls are legal. Well, political robocalls. Yes. There is the distinction there. I kind of want to, um, would it be bad to set up a robocall? How are they defining robocalls? I, I don't know. It's a robocall. Could I set a robocall up to call this judge? And say, we have the political ideal that robocalls are not protected as free speech. You should contact your congressman and tell them that robocalls aren't free speech. And then just have it call every day or twice a day. According to Judge So-and-so, this call is free speech. That's because we are here to tell you that you should contact your congressman and tell them that robocalls are not free speech. Oh, that would be hilarious. You said it's legal, so here we go. Yeah, there's there's a borderline difference between free speech and harassment right there, though. Yeah, that's that would probably be harassment. Right. So don't do this, but it's a funny thought. Oh, and the WhatsApp, what people use for what messaging on phones? I guess. I've never actually used WhatsApp. Uh, well, <laughs> 
good because according to uh, researchers, the deleted WhatsApp chats aren't actually deleted. Oops. So, you know, for an app that people, you know, applaud for having security end to end, this is not good. Yeah. WhatsApp messages are backed up to iCloud without hard encryption. So the finding means police could obtain clear records of conversation through a court order, even if the conversation has been deleted within the app. I have a feeling, you know, if your app and you're touting security, maybe you should make sure it's secure Just from start to finish and beyond. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So Getty got sued? Yeah. So you're familiar with Getty Images, right? Yeah, I am familiar with Getty Images. For those who are not photography savvy, Dave, what's Getty Images? Getty Images is a stock image site. They're so, the ones who sit there and sell pictures to other people. And as a part of that, they, they want to make sure that they have... Um, people purchasing their images and people are not stealing their images. And so they scour the internet looking for people who are using their information and their images. And they contacted someone and said, hey, we noticed that you're using one of the images that we're selling. You can pay us $150 now or we are going to sue the crap out of you. The problem with that is that the person who they contacted was the original photographer of the image. And she had never given Getty the rights to that image. In fact, she had donated that image to the Library of Congress, which which is where Getty found it. So it turns out Getty was stealing openly licensed things, things that are in the public domain because they're in the Library of Congress and were gifted to the Library of Congress to be in the public domain. And they were claiming sole ownership and responsibility for it. Ooh. So she is in turn suing Getty for selling her images without giving her credit or without having the license to do so. She is suing them for $500 million. But this is the really fun part is that since Getty lost another copyright case within the last three years... The court may have the power to treble the statutory damage, which would bring it up to a billion dollars. Damn. Oh, that's hilarious. It's like one of those... I, I don't even know. That's just, damn. Yeah. Somebody at Getty has serious egg on their face on this one. Just got into a lot of trouble. Yeah, a lot of trouble. So, yeah, good luck for her. And screw you, Getty. Well, now that I know that, you know, people are donating pictures to the Library of Congress, if I ever need any stock photography, that is the first Go place the I am going. Congress. Yeah, because that's all free. Hey, that's where we got our intro. <laughs> Liberty Mel March from the Library of Congress. Yes, indeedy. There we go. Oh, that's the, they. They wanted to get one hundred and twenty dollars from her, and instead they're going to be. Oh my gosh! You're getting wow. sued for a lot more. Yep, 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 yep. Sucks for them. So who's uh, buying Vizio? Vizio is being purchased by a company that I've never heard of called Leeco. Might be pronounced Leeco. I'm not sure. It's L E E C O. I was going to say, you know, if they're European, it's Leeco, but but it's Chinese. It's Chinese. L E big E C O. They're purchasing Vizio for two billion dollars. Wow. Don't know why. I mean, Vizio is a, it's a good little TV. They, they make good, like, TV sound systems, but yeah. sometimes I wonder about some of these things. It's like, wh wait, wh wait, why? I, I guess if you're a company and you have, like, $2 billion to spare, you say, what else can we purchase to make ourselves even bigger? How about a TV company? I, I don't know. What do these people do anyway? They make TV operating systems. 
one of the largest online video companies in China. Well, that's where they're getting their $2 billion from. Yeah, they make a bunch of smartphones and operating systems. So they've got cash to spare. And if they're already making the operating system for a TV, then I guess buying Vizio is giving them a manufacturing arm. To put their operating system on. There we go. Yeah, pretty much. They, they want to go with the Apple route of, hey, we'll just... <laughs> Put it we'll on the our software own. and the hardware. Yep. You know, I've actually heard of these guys before. You have? Yeah, I think they had a, um, the Lee TV, uh, I do believe, had a team in the Tour de France. Okay. Don't quote me on that one right now. Let me check. Oh, I wonder if it's Lee Co, right? L-E-E-C-O. Okay, sorry. They don't have a team, but they're the ones who had the Tour de France rights in China this year. That's why I was seeing the, the Lee TV sports stuff this year. Okay. I, that's where I saw it. Okay. Uh, there was a man who skydived without a parachute and survived. From 25,000 feet. Which is actually higher than most skydivers normally jump at. Yeah. Although it, it occurs to me, so we, we were at the Ren Fair and we saw a aerial ballerina. Like she, she had a whole routine where she was 30, 30 to 40 feet up in the air on a giant piece of silk. That's all she had. So imagine two giant sheets of silk suspended from a tree, from a pulley on a branch. That's what she was on. And it, it occurred to me, a line from uh, Penn and Teller, that it's the same trick five feet up as it is 40 feet up. So really, this jump from 25,000 feet is the same trick as a jump from like 500 feet. It's, well, whatever the terminal velocity is. Yeah. Like, however high you need to be to get terminal velocity for a guy. Yeah, that's... Uh, Terminal velocity takes like 15 seconds to get to terminal velocity. 118 miles per hour. That's if your limbs are out. Well, it just says for a human skydiver, it's normally around 118 miles. In a belly to earth, face down, free fall position. Higher speeds can be obtained if the skydiver pulls in his limbs, getting up to 200 miles per hour. So if we did some math of figuring out the acceleration due to gravity of 9.8 meters per second squared, we could figure out how high he would be it, in order to reach. It takes about 15 seconds. Okay. To reach terminal velocity. So, but in any point, any case, like he, he jumped from 25,000 feet with no parachute and landed safely. He landed in a net. The net is perfectly inelastic, so it doesn't stretch. But at each of the corners of the net, they were connected to a pneumatic piston that slowly essentially released the energy of the fall. So he had a really big net. Yeah. Well, good for him on that one because I'm not going to do it. I'm watching the video and I was sitting there, sitting there going, he kind of hit that net on the edge, not really in the center. So he was a little on the close side on that one. Yep. I would never, ever, ever want to do that sort of thing. Nope. 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 Friggin' terrifying. This is, I'm sending you a picture, by the way, of what I meant by someone being suspended in the air. Let me see if I can find a good picture. While Dave is doing that, I'm going to say that Amazon Prime now has expanded to Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, but not just Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, one hour. Imagine those poses 45 feet up in the air. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Amazon Prime, one hour delivery. When is it going to come to the United States? I don't know. Outside of San Francisco? I'm guessing it's probably in San Francisco now. And maybe Seattle. I'm looking it up. Okay. 
What's going on with the NIST and two-factor authentication? They want to get rid of SMS-based two-factor authentication. And what are their reasons? Um, It's not that secure. It really isn't. They are not wrong. Because the user may or not always be in possession of the phone um, or the phone number. Right. Some VoIP services allow the hijacking of SMS messages, so the NIST officials encourage software vendors to make SMS-based two-factor authentication systems specifically check for a VoIP connection. SMS as a protocol, they say, is not secure either. So they're they're saying, like, look, right now you can still use it, but we might pull the plug on it in the future. They're also saying that the increase of biometrics is a good thing, but you need to use it with another authentication factor. So biometrics by itself is not that strong. Yeah, well, it should be like biometrics and a password. Yes, something you know or something you have, one of the two. Well, ideally it's both, right? It's something you know and something you have. Yeah, but biometrics is a third area of something that you are. Biometrics is still something you have. No, no, no. It's considered something that you are. It's Ah. a a separate thing. Okay. I I literally, no joke, did a presentation on multi-factor authentication with some of our brand managers in the company because we wanted to get them to start doing two-factor authentication for their emails. Yeah. Yeah, the IT department's already doing it, but we wanted to, you know, expand it out. So I thought, (laughs) hey. Our IT department didn't give us a choice. They came to the staff meeting one day and said, by the way, we're turning this on. Here are the three ways you can get access to it. Have fun. Well, I'm being a little bit nicer than that. Yeah. <laughs> they came up here like, so uh, this this was great. So they, they did a, uh, I, I can't say the results of this, but they did a, a phishing exercise where they sent an email to a lot of people in the company saying, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like basically it was a phishing email trying to get people to click on a link and we now have two-factor authentication <laughs> i wonder what just, the results were that i'll just leave it at that yeah because i yeah i love where yeah yeah <laughs> no but I, I just wanted to i did a broad spectrum of what is multi-factor authentication i talked about something that you know which is passwords something you have which is usb keys something or that you are a phone or, or a phone yeah the authenticator apps as well yep uh, something that you are, which is biometrics, and somewhere that you are, which is location-based, so Ooh. Wi-Fi and GPS-based stuff as well. Yeah, cute. So yeah, those are the four levels of multi-factor authentication, and they're like, so yep. how many are we going to do? I'm like, we'll put you on two, because I feel like if we started doing four levers of, levels of authentication... You'd never get onto your email. Yeah. <laughs> you would have to be sitting in your office at all times in order to access your email, and that's not going to happen. Yeah. The uh, the new Note 7 is supposed to have retinal authentication. Really? Yeah, that the phone, the camera on the front is good enough that you'll be able to look at it and it'll scan your retinas. Ah, mm, I don't know about that. What do you mean? You don't know that it's good enough or... I don't know. The biometric authentication for me has always been that weird one out of the four. Yes. Which, you know, has reared its ugly head a couple of times because we had people who upgraded their Windows laptops to Windows 10. Oops. Um, But there was a problem with the fingerprint scanners on the laptops. Oops. So we're like, okay, you need to put your password in so we can get this all going. And they're like, I don't remember what my password is. Oops. Yep. Those are important things to remember, guys. Uh, which reminds me, I need to come up with a new password. Every year, I have to change my password at work. I'm sorry. And so every year for a month, it's always typing your password twice because first you type the old password and then it comes back and it says, nope, that doesn't work anymore. And then you have to type in the new password. So I'm adding a last minute topic here. Yeah. You know how Tesla had their master plan part due 
when they talked about like the buses and the trucks, the trucks. Yeah. Mercedes Benz has uh, announced their urban e-truck. Okay. It is literally they have one. It exists. It is a physical truck. Okay. And what does this truck do? Well, it's a semi truck that's 100% electric. Huh. It has okay. a range of only 124 miles right now. So that it's is not not a very long range. No, they're saying that's why they're calling it the urban e truck because this is not going to be a long hauler. But this is no. for inter city hauling. This is for like within a city hauling. Yes. Because think about that. It's that's that's not even enough to go from Kalamazoo to Ann Arbor, is it? No, it is. That should be a hundred and I think it's one hundred and ten miles. Actually, one hundred and ten miles to go from Kalamazoo to Ypsilanti. So okay, Kalamazoo's exit what like seventy? Uh, seventy-two. Okay, yeah, so it's about one hundred and ten. But it wouldn't be able to make the return trip. No, it'd be able to go one way. It would have to charge. And how long does it take to charge? Uh, the article does not state that. Yeah. That's something to keep in mind. It takes, what, like five minutes to fill up a truck with gasoline? Mm-hmm. How long does it take to charge an electric truck? That is an excellent question, especially since, you know, Tesla's plan to get around that was to literally just remove the whole battery and replace it with the new one. Right. So good for Mercedes. I'm glad that they're pushing it. I'm glad that there's competition for Tesla, but we, we got to keep all of this in mind and keep it in a good place. I just still love it that, you know, Tesla announced a thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we're working on a semi truck. And Mercedes is like, oh, you are? Well, look at this. <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. We built one already. I'm sorry. We're your, uh, yeah, it's already out here. You, you can build yours if you want to. Yeah. All right. Should we hit the randoms? Sure. Review? Sure. My week? Yes, it is. Star Trek Beyond. Beyond. This is so, where the final frontier fights back. Yeah. Mm, some of the lines, not so good. I think it was the frontier pushes back. Oh, right. the frontier pushes back. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. Some of the lines, not so good. Other lines, really fantastic. Like how things started to feel a little episodic. Oh, that was a brilliant line. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, Simon Pegg. That was beautiful. That was good. That was good. Um, I feel like they are uh, reversing the trend of the original Star Trek movies. Oh, where it was every odd one was good? Well, or, it sorry, was every, every even. even one. I feel like this one and three, I, I really liked. Two was kind of messy, I do. Which, I loved the fact that this third one, you didn't really need to know much about the second movie, if anything at all. Yeah. He just literally comes in and's like, hey, this is what's going on. We're in the middle of a five-year journey. Here's this, that, and the other thing. The only thing that, you know, you really needed to know was the fact that Ohura and Spock were together. But even then... That you could have watched this as your first one. Yeah, you could have watched this as your first one and not missed a beat. Yeah. So, I, I liked Star Trek Beyond. I think it was a good movie. I think... Uh, they, they didn't ignore what they, hmm, what's the best way to put this? I've known I was going to do this review all day, in fact, all week, because I watched it last week. I liked the movie. I liked the conflicts in the movie. It didn't necessarily feel very deep, though. Yeah, no, the, the conflict was... Yeah, I didn't really see that either. Right. There was no, there was the, the whole piece at the beginning about like questioning whether or not he should stay as a captain, what he wanted to do and how he wanted to be himself. But that never gets explored. Not really. No. So as a deep movie, as a philosophical movie, I'm, I'm not, I, it's not that great. 
as a fun Star Trek summer action film, it was a lot of fun and it was really good. And just some of the pieces in there, uh, the classical music choice, for instance, that was, oh, just, yeah. that was also incredible. That actually made me think about that where afterwards I'm listening, they're going like, oh, so they're just going to just do a radio jamming and they needed something in the higher frequency. Yeah. That could work, I guess. No, that was science fantasy. That was not sci-fi. I was, I was not pleased about the scientific mumbo jumbo about, oh, we can do this and, and pack their signal and override it and break their, like, no, no, no. And probably no. Well, there would have to be some sort of radio signal coordinating all of the ships, right? There would have to be some sort of signal coordinating all of the ships. Yes. Yes. Radio signal is a little specific, but there would have to be some sort of electromagnetic spectrum connection between all of them. And the best we're in Star Trek, does it have to be electromagnetic? Everything's electromagnetic. It, it couldn't connected. be subspace, which would let you do it across distances that are infinite or near infinite. I don't know. It is another alien's technology, so we have no idea how it actually works. Yeah, which is another thing of like, where did he get this technology? Uh, it was on the planet that he stumbled upon. Right. And the MacGuffin and all of these pieces. Yeah. There were definitely some tropes and yeah, some unexplained was... holes and some things that was a lot of hand waving, but it was still cute. Yes, it did not make me leave the theater and go, really, they did that? Really? Right. They did that? No, there was, there was times where I was honest to goodness laughing. There were some of the things there that I, you know, was the only guy in the theater laughing at, but some of those were kind of, was you know, right at my... you were the only one who got the joke? Or Sometimes, you, yeah. Do you have examples? Oh, I forgot exactly what it was, but... It... Okay. Uh, the whole stunt with the motorcycle, feelings on that, takeaways from that? Uh, I, it's one of those crazy alien technologies. Like, how does that work exactly? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see the new alien come back, though, especially, unfortunately, with the, the death of Chekhov, the actor who plays Chekhov. Yeah. That, that was just, it's like, oh, man, you got in your groove, everybody's together. And I, then, I will freely admit that there were tears shed at the end of the movie when the, the dedications came up. Oh, of course, yes. But I have a feeling that, you know, because Chekhov as a character, it's kind of like an like amalgamation of a, a slightly less Scotty Scotty, mm -hmm. but then also, you know, can handle other things. He, he's more like a he's like a utility player sort of thing. Yep. And I feel like this new alien could easily fit, fit into that, fit into that role. No problem. Yep. There's a there's a discussion of whether or not they're going to replace the actor or replace the character. No, you you can't replace the you can't replace the actor. That's just uh you kind of can. I I know you kind of can, but you shouldn't. You you shouldn't play there there were only a finite number of people who have played these characters and you've already gone through two movies with this guy in this role. You can't change him in for another one. No. No, just find some way to remove him bring the alien in it will be a good fit possibly but no i did i did enjoy this movie i feel like, I mean, my question now becomes is do i want to go see it again in the theater that's my that's my current bar of between do you want to see it twice yeah do i want to see it twice in the theater in the theater, yes. First run theater. Yes, that is correct. Would you see it in a second run? Well, we don't really have those around here. Okay. I, I never actually personally use that as a metric because, like, movies that I really do enjoy, I still might not want to see in the second run theater. 
because our second run theater out here is just so I I guess I've been spoiled, right? Well, it's like a movie theater from the 80s where it's all the seats are almost at exactly the same level. There's only a slight incline down. The sound feels like it's blown out speakers from a 60s rock concert. The screen quality is terrible. So would you see this movie again in theaters? That's that's my current question right now, yeah. whether or not I, I want to go see it I twice. Would. I don't think I would. Because okay, So my, my beam is going to see it in the theater versus, you know, waiting till it's, you know, on DVD or checking it out from the library or getting it on Netflix. Then, you know, it's seeing it twice in the theater or actually purchasing the DVD. There are some where I've, we've actually purchased the DVD. DVD. Like Jurassic World, we actually purchased the DVD. We actually, I think we, I don't think we saw it twice in the theater, but you know. I uh, actually haven't seen Jurassic World. It was that good. Oh, I loved it. Plus it's Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine. So yes. Yeah. Okay. And no, you don't have to see any of the other Jurassic Park movies in order to, well, you've seen the first one, right? I've seen one and two. Oh, then that's more than enough. Yeah. They set up this one. So as long as you saw the first one, you'd be good because they realized not a lot of people saw numbers three and four. Yeah. I think just three. I think it's just three. Yeah. I don't think they put up a fourth. So I would not see this again in the, well, I wouldn't actively go out and seek this out in the theater again. There are other movies that I have interest in seeing, and I just don't see that many movies in the theater to begin with. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I could definitely see like renting it or watching it on Netflix or just putting it on just for the hell of it. No, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a good one. I liked this one. Okay. Topic. Random topic rolled ahead of time. If you could live in any sitcom, which one would it be? Mm. And just, you know, specifically said sitcom. So we have to pick a situational comedy. List of sitcoms. Fresh Prince considered a sitcom? That is correct. That one sounds pretty darn good. Um, do I mean, do I get knowledge of said sitcom? Do I know, like, that I'm in a TV show? I don't know. That's It just said if you had to live, or if you wanted to. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, so, sorry. I if, dream of if Genie? If you could live in any sitcom, which one would it be? I Dream of Genie could be kind of fun. Bewitched could be fun. Happy Days would be really nice because it's Milwaukee. And it's relaxed, and crap, there's no internet. Maybe not happy days. Um, you have anything good? I would say you could hang out with the Big Bang Theory guys, God, maybe. no. No? No. Hell no. No? Hell no. How do you really feel about it? I don't like the characters, I don't like the stories, and I don't like nerdsploitation. Okay, All so- of the characters have gone through a massive flanderization, and if you're not familiar with it, go look it up on TV Tropes. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. No, I'm at, at this point, I'm long done with Big Bang Theory. I guess the Jetsons is technically a uh, situational comedy. Third Rock from the Sun was pretty funny. It was, but would you want to live in that world? I don't know. This question is still very weird, right? Because it's, are you part of the situational comedy, or do you just exist in that world somewhere, and the comedy happens around you? Like, if I jumped into the Roseanne show, does that mean that I'm part of that family and that group, or just I live in that universe, which is the real universe. Which is kind of funny, because there were, what, Pleasantville was sort of like that, right? Right. Like, there's just tons of movies and stories about that. Yeah. I wonder if there's, how old that, that 
theme is, that trope is, getting sucked into the show or the story? I don't know. That'd be interesting to find out. I bet you TV Tropes has it. Let's see if we can find this. Uh, deliberately trope Trapped in TV Land is the name of the trope. Um, the earliest examples. There's a, another trope called a portal book, which kind of brings forth the same thing. Yeah, that sounds about similar. Um... Yeah, I'm not sure. I have to dig into that. I'm just trying to think of the last situational comedy that I actually watched, and it might have been The Golden Girls. Ugh, I don't know about that. Literature. Uh, nope. 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 Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, if, if I get, like, knowledge of world and ability to influence world, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie both sound pretty fun. I think the Jetsons, though, if we count the Jetsons as a situational comedy, I feel like that would be... Jetsons, yeah, if I don't, if I'm just existing in that world, probably the Jetsons. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, every convenience of the future that we've ever wanted, there it is. Yep. No, I'm I'm gonna have to go, yeah, the Jetsons. That's gonna be... That's what I'm going for. All right. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, that was a... I'm going down the list of situational comedies, and I just hit the J, and I'm like, oh, it's on the list. Yep. It's on the list. It's on the list, according to Wikipedia. It must be true. All right, now that that's taken care of, I guess that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast.com. Or send us an email at mail at rapodcast.net. Thank you for listening.